All right, everyone, let's get started. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another AMA. Today, we'll be covering uh, part one of our tokenomics. We released the article a, a couple days ago. And uh, yeah, expects we're looking forward to a lot of good questions. We don't have many questions to start with, but um, I guess I'll just give a very, very brief rundown on our tokenomics. So the, the compressed TLDR is that we're not going to be doing any liquidity mining. And uh, one unique thing that our AMM is going to do is we're going to uh, look to own the liquidity that we provide. So normally, um, AMMs, they have their users provide the liquidity and uh, yeah, but instead, we're going to try to own all that liquidity. And in doing so, we won't be reliant on the liquidity providers and we can become self-sufficient. So that's the goal. Um, and yeah, we, we detail some of how we're going to accomplish that in the article. Okay, so yeah, I'll get started with the questions. So first question we have, Chiro asks, why did you decide to airdrop 1% of the tokens to flare holders? Won't it create extra sell pressure and dilution? The current incentives for flare holders look quite robust in my opinion. Revenue generation and buyback model is way better than most of the NFT projects. Yeah, this is a reasonable question. So one thing to keep in mind is that at the time that we did our um, NFT sale, like we were an absolute nobody, like very few people knew about us. And in reality, we sold out in two hours, but that was not an outcome that we expected. And so we did much better than we thought we would. And so, yeah, you have to consider that we were trying to make our NFTs as juicy as possible. And the team taking zero profit, that is quite juicy. Like, I don't think any other project has done that, that I know of at least. Um, but on the other hand, like our, our project, how it worked was relatively complex. Um, where you know it involves DeFi, that's the main thing and a lot of people in the nft space aren't familiar with DeFi at all um so yeah we weren't confident that we would easily sell out with just the um depositing the 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 proceeds from the sale into the liquidity pool like we weren't sure that mechanism would be sufficient to sell out um, so yeah, we added this 1% on top. So like looking and um, looking back at it in retrospect, like after the fact, like we're doing right now, I, I see why you're asking, like, why are you giving away 1%? Because that creates cell pressure and dilution. But on the other hand, like that played a important role in bootstrapping the community that we now have. Um, we're, we're much more well-known uh, in the Solana ecosystem because of that. 
Um, I mean, we, we can't know the counterfactual where we, we, we decided to not give 1%. We don't know what would have happened if we did that. But yeah, we have to assume that like that did play an important role in um, selling out in two hours. So that's uh, part of the reason. And um, so, yeah, th there is like this downside where, okay, now if, when we do our IDO, there's going to be these tokens afterwards that flare holders own. Um, and they have the option to sell them if they want to. So it could create sell pressure. Um, on the other hand, the other way to think about it is basically, well, these people basically just bought these uh, Lifinity tokens through the NFTs. So the NFTs were just a different form of IDO in a sense. Of course, that's not strictly true because the NFTs themselves um, inherently, they have this inherent value of all the soul that we raised through the IDO and all the royalties and trading fees that we've made since. So they're backed by this more than 20K of soul um, and their value doesn't purely come from the Lefinity tokens that they're going to get. In fact, I would say that's that the minority of its value. I say most of it comes from the soul that it's backed by and the mechanism. Um, but yeah, I hope that answers your question. And uh, you say, yeah, it also makes sense because they're the initial LPs. Yeah, so anyways, I think... I think it was really helpful in um, getting us started. So no regrets there. I mean, so <laughs> you know what's funny is like there's actually the other crowd who says, why are you only dropping 1%? <laughs> so in a sense, like we can't satisfy everyone, right? Like, I guess no matter what we do, people can criticize that you're giving away not enough or too much. It's like, it depends on your perspective, I guess. And like when you joined and all that like if you if you just buy in the idea then you wish the flare holders didn't ha have an allocation if you're flare holders you wish you had a larger allocation so yeah it just depends who you are i guess anyhow good question all right let's uh move to the next one marco asks any fear on being overly reliant on one oracle any thoughts on integrating multiple oracles and aggregating prices, excuse me, aggregating prices if prices diverge? Yeah, so yeah, we just used Pith. So I think the correct way to think about this is that Pith is in fact a aggreg aggregator of prices, or you could say an aggregator of oracles. So Pith, um, aggregates price data from multiple centralized exchanges, market makers, and traders. Um, if we had gotten price data from just a single one of those, we could still call that an oracle. Like it would be an oracle. It, it would just be not that great of an oracle. Um, but in fact, Pith aggregates these from multiple sources, and then it has an intelligent way of um, combining them to take a sort of average and also give a confidence interval. And um, if you want to learn more about how exactly they do this, 
they have a article on Medium. It's titled Pith Price Aggregation Proposal. Um, if you're like into math and all that, I think you'll enjoy it. They explain various scenarios where um, different price data providers um, can give data that um, are spread out in different ways and have um, different types of confidence intervals, or I should say different um, widths of confidence intervals, and how um, these various scenarios, there's the intuitive answer of what the average price should be, and they show that their method, um, like, in fact, does aggregate around this, um, what should um, intuitively be correct answer. Um, anyways, it's probably not the best to talk about this purely in words. It's uh, It probably doesn't come across very clearly. <laughs> they have um, infographics and stuff that will make it much easier to understand. So anyways, um, I think it's unnecessary to get more oracles because what we would be doing in that case, so say like we integrated Chainlink as well, and then we take some average of Pith and Chainlink uh, the first problem is that only Pith has confidence intervals, Chainlink doesn't. So I guess, or I don't know, like, and if we use an average of the price from Chainlink and Pith, then we can't use the confidence interval of Pith. It would become meaningless. Um, it, it's only meaningful given the mean price that Pith gives. So. Yeah, to, to combine them, we could only come up with a price. And then I guess we have more data providers, but also I'm not sure Chainlink has a price in every um, Solana block. So it might be slower than Pith. I'm not 100% sure on that. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, so like it would be not simple, basically. Um, and also, yeah, to reiterate, like Pith is an aggregation of oracles, even though like we typically don't call them oracles, like market makers and the price on centralized exchange. But yeah, um, let's see. You respond. We'll read it. Thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. You'd only have one mean price completely. Have to disregard the intervals. I'll read up more on Pith, thanks. Cool. All right, Marco has another question. He or she asks, I guess Marco, the guy, right? <laughs> Is the expectation for the locked tokens to work kind of like Curve Wars, Saber Wars? Um, right, would this just be Lifinity tokens? I thought I read you may route through other AMMs. Would you also hold other AMM LPs in the treasury? Any chance that voting would also affect other protocols like convex to curve um so there's a few questions in here let's address them one by one let me take a sip <clears throat> okay so the locked tokens um well they work like the the curve wars or the saber wars um, so the similarity is that we're using the vote escrowed model okay so first i should say we're going to explain about these things a lot more in part two, which covers VE Lifinity. 
So you'll have all the juicy details there. But yeah, just to give a preliminary answer. Um, yeah, so the fact that we use vote escrow tokens or VE tokens, that part is definitely similar to Curve Wars, Saber Wars. Um, there is a major difference. I think I explained this more in part five, which is the putting it all together article. But um, with Curve and Saber, they emit their tokens as rewards for providing liquidity. So it is liquidity mining. Um, and then the VE curve and VE Sabre holders get to control those emissions. And that's why um, other protocols who have pools on curve or Sabre want to bribe those uh, VE token holders to vote for their pools so that their pools get the emissions and therefore people provide liquidity for their pools. I hope people understood that. <laughs> that is like the TLDR of Curve Wars, Saber Wars. But so that's what they're doing. What's different about us is we're not doing liquidity mining. So we're not gonna give people Lifinity tokens as rewards for providing liquidity on our platform. We think that the um, rewards provided by trading fees and by market making profit are more than sufficient to incentivize people to deposit their liquidity on our platform. Instead, when we say emissions, which usually implies liquidity mining, what we mean is we're going to be selling Lifinity tokens as VE Lifinity, so locked Lifinity, in exchange for LP tokens. So, we're, so people aren't being rewarded for providing liquidity. Instead, they're exchanging their LP tokens for VE Lifinity. So it's basically a trade, a one-time exchange. Um, so in that sense, it's quite different from Curve, the Curve Wars and Saber Wars. But I should also mention that we will have bribing, which we hinted at. And uh, if you looked at the titles of our, the six parts of our series, in part three, we talk about voting and bribing. So that will be an aspect. Um, and yeah, we do think that protocols will bribe to control the emissions of Lifinity uh, to various pools. Uh, we'll explain the rationale for all that when we get to part three, but yeah. Okay, let's look at the other parts of your question. Uh, would this just be Lifinity tokens? Not sure what you mean, but I think I probably answered it. I thought I read you may route through other AMMs. Um, I don't think so, if I understand you correctly. I mean, like, we're just an AMM, so we don't route to anywhere but our own pools. Oh, may, you might be thinking of, so we are an aggregator. Um, we're we're not really developing the aggregator anymore because we integrated with Jupiter. Um, so Jupiter, like we were trying to do both, right? We were trying to be the concentrated liquidity AMM plus be an aggregator. And the reason we were doing that was uh, when we started doing that, there was no Jupiter. In fact, there was no DEX aggregator. So we were trying to be that. Um, but then Jupiter appeared and like they're like 100% focused on just being an aggregator. So we're leaving that to them now, just um, 
yeah, be part of this awesome aggregator. And then we, we're just going to focus on being a good concentrated liquidity AMM. So yeah. Um, and you asked, would you also hold other AMM LPs in the treasury? Um, I don't think so. I don't see a reason to do this. Um, so actually something we haven't mentioned is that we will also have constant product pools. Mainly this is just going to be for the Lifinity USDC pool. Um, because Lifinity won't have a price feed on PIF. So we can't create a concentrated pool for it. So it needs to have a constant product pool. And so we're just going to create a pool for that. Um, so like we can also have constant product LPs if we wanted to, but concentrated liquidity ones are just better um, in terms of like capturing the volume. And then also because we have the Oracle, we avoid impermanent loss. So yeah, I'm not really, I, I, I don't see a reason why we would want to have other AMMs LPs. And then finally you ask, any chance that voting would also affect other protocols? So it will in the sense that other protocols will be incentivized to bribe VE Lifinity holders. But yeah, more on that in part three. Um, cool, moving on. Uh, Norbert, our hallowed advisor, I want 100% of supply to NFT holders. Where can I vote? <laughs> Nice. Uh, Norbert is the largest whale in the flare holder space, has over 10% of the supply, much conviction. <laughs> but uh, yeah, unfortunately for you, I guess, flare holders do not govern what will happen to the uh, Lifinity token supply. So sorry, bro. <laughs> All right. And uh, Chiro asks, Pith has shown bad performance once in the past. If it if it happens again, it might end up being a single point of failure. Yeah, so it's impossible to rule this out as a possibility, um, as, as it would be for <laughs> any um, Oracle. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a common sentiment. Like I've heard many people be worried about Pith because they've, um, they've had problems in the past. To my knowledge, those problems have been fully addressed. Um, and it's been performing well for, uh, how long has it been? Like three months or four months or something, I think, since it had that incident last year. Um, so yeah. And uh, just to mention, we mentioned this in the previous AMA too, but we do have certain fail-safes. For example, um, well, Pith itself has its own fail-safes, first of all. So like if too few data providers are providing price data, then it just won't publish. So then they just won't give any price data if there's too few people giving the data. So that's what Pith does, and uh, I think he has some other things. But then what we do is, yeah, uh, first of all, if Pith doesn't publish any data, then we won't do any trading. Um, and yeah, if you don't trade, then you're fine. And then also if the confidence interval is too wide. So in other words, if, if the Oracle is too unsure 
about the price, then we also won't do any trades. So yeah, we do have um, these things in place so that we're careful um, about the trades we make. But yeah, it's it's a, it's impossible to hundred percent rule out like um, some some like some error in the code of pith um, or yeah some problem happening. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a thing. That's true of like everything in the smart contract world. So um, I think pith is a is a great um, oracle. Like that's the bottom line. And uh, if you look at the projects on Solana that are using Pith, like it's it's all the the top hitters or the hard hitters. What's the term? <laughs> like all the all these big um, protocols on Solana are using them and are placing their confidence in them. So yeah, I think our faith is well placed. All right. Next question we have Benox asks, is there a single genius behind the tokenomics approach? If not, who has contributed? And where did the knowledge of protocol-owned liquidity and VE tokenomics come from? Yeah, so the tokenomics, um, I came up with the basic structure um, of looking to own uh, the liquidity that we provide and then also implementing um, bribing similar to the way that uh, Curve does. So, and yeah, I, I discussed with a bunch of people and refined some of the concepts and made sure like it's not stupid because yeah, when I first thought of this, I was like, wow, this would be amazing, but was worried that maybe I was missing some like obvious hole in it. So asked around, um, seemed solid, still does. Um, and uh, yeah, had to had to refine the details. For example, for example, how VE Lifinity works. Uh, VE Lifinity will not work the same as other VE tokens. It'll have a few differences. We'll cover that in part two. Um, so yeah, who has contributed? I mean, I, I definitely talked with Luffy a lot about it. Um, and, uh, let's see the knowledge of protocol on liquidity and VE tokenomics. Um, so I've, I've been aware of Olympus and also I've actually used Invictus on Solana. So I'm, um, yeah, I, I have some experience with protocol and liquidity. And then VE tokenomics, I I just studied up on it. I never used Curve, but like I saw what was happening in the Curve Wars and it sounded interesting. So I had to learn about it and I did and it was totally worth it. I mean, now it's just, it keeps spreading, right? More and more protocols are using the VE model. So yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like the basic idea is you lock up tokens and then you can reward holders accordingly, right? It's like... The holders can signal their like how long they intend to hold and then the protocol can reward them which you can't do if you just hold tokens because you can't signal how long you intend to hold so yeah i think it's really cool innovations and uh 
Yeah. All right. Crypto Bro Joe asks, since we only use Pith, what happens if Pith goes down for a few minutes? Would we just pause the liquidity and not be at risk? Or would there be consequences if the prices move materially while it is down? Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, if Pith doesn't publish a price, we just don't trade. And then uh, if, price, if price moves during that time, then it's totally fine. We basically just avoid impermanent loss, right? Um, not that it, not that if we were trading, we would necessarily incur permanent loss. That's just a possibility. We could also um, make market-making profit through that. But anyhow, yeah, we, we, we just wouldn't trade. Okay, Blob Hair asks or says, Durden just spoon feeding us to alpha per usual. Love to see it. Let's fucking go. Uh, Marco says, yep, completely understood like uh, IN, that's Invictus's token, uh, bonded LP. The bribing was confusing to me. Oh yeah, not us bribing, others bribing. Uh, for VE Lefinity holders is voting power. Yeah. The T TLDR of part three is um, VE Lefinity holders voting power is actually valuable and people will buy it. Um, buy I Innovation asks, you mentioned when you first minted, you were barely known. This space changes fast and DeFi can sometimes be slow in general. Have you developed a marketing strategy for communicating more detailed awareness on how we are different than others? How do we get common investors to understand? Do you have a designated team member for marketing? So, um, well, this AMA is part of our <laughs> marketing and communication efforts. So I am basically the marketing guy. I, I would say my approach is basically to make high quality content um and to slowly and gradually educate all who are interested um so i think the upside of my approach is that the our community members are basically all high quality it's the people who are willing to learn put in at least some effort um and so like we have a very thicky community, like once people understand they are, you know, um, like down for life. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the difficulty with our projects, both our, our NFTs and our tokenomics is that it's relatively complex and it does take time to understand. So yeah, I mean, we're doing various things. So like one thing is that we have the tokenomics in text form. We're making it in video form and also in audio form just so that people can um, digest that information in the format that they prefer. Um, we also have to keep in mind that not everyone is going to be willing to put in the work. There's just going to be a lot of people who will you know, like want to invest in us just because some guy on Twitter who they respect mentioned us. 
And so for those kind of people, we do need like a very, very trimmed down version of like what we're doing. And like, so for example, that's why I include TLDRs of the articles, which I hope is like simple enough that like basically anyone can understand. <laughs> and uh, yeah, stuff like that. Um, yeah, we don't do much of like the shilly type of stuff that you often see. Um, we don't do like paid promotions. Um, generally trying to keep it organic. Like maybe we will adjust that a bit as we go. Not sure. Um, but like personally, I really, I really like our vibe. Um, like, uh, we, we respect people's attention. Um, don't want to waste people's time. And like only say things when we really have something worth saying. And so, yeah, I think that brings in more high quality people, but also it gets fewer eyeballs. So it's kind of a trade-off. Anyhow, that's kind of the way I think around it. Definitely open to feedback if you guys have um, ideas on like how we could better market our project. Definitely open to hear those. All right. Um, Chiro, is this a bit scary? So I think you're referring, uh, there's a link, and I think this is the, uh, the problem that Piff had a while back um, where Bitcoin flash crashed to 5K on Piff. Yeah, and so like they, they, um, if you like read their Medium articles, like they figured out what the problem was and they addressed it. So like this problem won't be a problem again. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say beyond that. I think I've already talked about Pith and why I think um, it's it's right to go with them already. So I won't harp on that anymore. But yeah. All right, Cheeks asks, "What will be a what will we be able to do with the VE Lefinity tokens? Will there potentially be a Lefinity Wars?" Um, right. Okay, so VE Lefinity, its basic utility is to be the reward token of Lefinity. So to put that differently, um, if you want access to the to the revenue generated by our protocol own liquidity ve lefinity is the token that gives you access to that um and basically we'll explain this more in part four which is on revenue but we're going to favor our protocol own liquidity over um liquidity providers so liquidity providers get a share of the trading fees but the protocol own liquidity gets 100% of the trading fees um, naturally because the protocol itself owns it. Um, and for liquidity providers, they get a portion and the portion that they don't get goes to the protocol. Um, yeah, so basically like what I'm getting at is if you're a liquidity provider, you can get like you get you get you get partial access to what our dex provides which is amazing trading 
with high trading fees um, through concentration and avoiding impermanent loss or even reversing it for market making profit. Um, so if you want full access to that, then BE Lefinity is the way to go. If you want to keep the tokens that you're providing liquidity with, say like Sol USDC, if you want to maintain that access to your Sol and USDC whenever you want, then you'll stay in your LP. It's just that you're likely to, or yeah, you won't get rewarded as much in terms of trading fees that way. And then will there be potentially be uh, Lefinity Wars? So I guess that's not impossible. It's very speculative at this point. <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, so like there's two ways, right? To, um, to control the voting power. One is to bribe VE Lefinity holders. The other is to buy uh, VE Lefinity yourself and then vote yourself. So that would be like much more a much more long-term way to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's possible, but we'll see, I guess. All right. Marco says, the fail-safes are great. I appreciate though we just won't trade rationale. I was expecting you to say we revert back into a 50-50 constant product market maker. Never, never revert the constant product <laughs> i mean so the problem if we did that was what like it would mean we would eat a ton of impermanent loss the moment pith turns off um especially like if it's a volatile time then like yeah uh we just <laughs> we just eat a ton of impermanent loss like totally dependent on what our current um pool ratio is um yeah so don't don't think that would work uh Quinn asks is it norbert or actually I, I don't even know what you're referring to maybe it was something i was saying earlier anyways uh feely asks sick year now thanks for the compliment oh wait i don't know what that's referring to either okay blob hair asks when you talk about protocols interacting with the lefinity decks going forward have you already talked with any of the solana teams about what you're doing um, yeah, certainly we have talked to some. Um, mostly, like some teams have contacted us about like wanting a pool on our decks because it's concentrated liquidity and it's you can efficiently provide liquidity. Unfortunately, some some people who contacted us didn't understand that like you need an oracle. So like if your if your token doesn't have a price feed on Pith, then we can't create a pool for you. Um yeah. But let's see. So protocols interacting with the Lefinity decks. I mean the main one we talked with was Jupiter, right? Because we actually integrated with them. Other than that, I'm not sure like what exactly you have in mind when you say protocols interacting with the Lefinity decks. Um, like mostly it's just to trade with us, right? In the future, there could be like, for example, you could take our LP tokens and use them as collateral to lend against. But I mean, that's like not going to happen soon, right? So <laughs> uh, we haven't even launched our pools. So um, like that's something to think about for the future. But yeah, we haven't 
started talking to like lending protocols about that, for example. But yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, I mean, our LP tokens will be unique in that, like with other LP tokens, first of all, you have to stake them to get the max rewards because their yield is dependent on liquidity mining. Whereas us, like there is no liquidity mining, there is no staking. All the yield comes from trading fees and market, ma market making profit. So basically you can just stick these LP tokens on a lending protocol and borrow against them. And the, the lending protocol doesn't need to do anything in the background. Like, so for example, I think on, for example, Larix, they have some LP tokens and what they do is they take those radium LP tokens and they stake them for you. So you don't miss out on the yield and then you can borrow against them. Actually, I'm not sure if you can yet, but so anyways, with us, you don't need to do that staking part. So it makes it much easier for the lending protocols to integrate with us. And also just like, we, you don't have to worry about impermanent loss for the most part. So um, I think it's a, it's a more um, juicy prospect compared to constant product LP tokens. Let me take a sip. Um, Chiro says, I hope stopping the trades isn't the way in the long term too. Not sure what you mean by that. Maybe you want to clarify. Uh, Chiro also says, it's really cool that the marketing guy is balls deep into crypto. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love crypto. Quinn says, you can pay me to promote you if you want. I'll take payment in Lifinity NFTs. Lol. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, I mean, we didn't keep any supply for like marketing purposes. So we'd have to buy them on the open market. And they're kind of expensive. <laughs> so good luck convincing us. Uh, let's see. Zero X, triple zero X ask when Lifinity TikTok dances. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Come on, community. When Lifinity TikTok dances. Um, all right, Marco asks, so if you want to LP, you might as well just own the Lifinity token to get 100% of revenue. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it kind of, so I mean, uh, I think it's complicated. Cause like, so if you're, cause so <laughs> it's not just the rewards, right? It's also the price exposure of the underlying tokens. So like when you hold VE Lifinity, you have like two exposures. One is the price of Lifinity. Do you think that's going to go up or down? And the second is the revenue. Uh, what kind of APR can you expect to get? And then with the other option where you have LP tokens, it's uh, what do you expect? So like take Sol USDC. If you're doing that, it's like, what do you expect uh, Sol to do? Do you expect the price to go up or down? Uh, USDC, I guess, is just stable. And then what percent of trading fees do you expect to get? Or ultimately, what APR can you expect to get from um, providing liquidity? So like you have to take all those factors into account. 
But yeah, if you want to simplify, like, just hold VE Lfinity, I guess. If you want um, exposure to, like, all the trading that the protocol does with, with all its protocol-owned liquidity. Kind of like diver diversification, I guess. Okay. Lord Prince asks, how long are lockup periods of VE Lfinity? So again, we'll cover this in part two, but yeah, it'll be max four years. Uh, minimum one week. And uh, you get to choose. Um, yeah. Call Mimi says, so the token gets a share of fiat? Um, fiat. So, I see. So, the rewards. This will be explained more in part four. But the rewards will basically be in non-stablecoin tokens. So... I guess I might as well give a brief explanation. So for example, we have our sole USDC pool. And so our protocol owned liquidity will uh, earn sole USDC LP tokens. And so when it takes those rewards um, to use um, as revenue, first it takes out the LP token. So then it has sole and USDC. Now, um like there's many options that you could you could do with this our our basic philosophy is we want to minimize trading because trading incurs fees and um also we want to make it so that it's not what we do with those tokens is not harmful to protocols that bribe so for example if protocols bribed for their pool but then we, we we take rewards from their pool. Say like, I'll, I'll just take like uh, Bonfita as an example. So we have like Bonfita US or USDC, yeah. So Fita USDC, and then like every time we get the rewards from that pool, if we're selling the Fita, that's like kind of not great for Bonfita, like that we're we're always selling their tokens. So to avoid that, we're gonna just give those out as rewards to token holders, VE Lfinity holders, that is. So yeah, it'll basically be like a 50-50 split where the the half of the tokens that are like protocol tokens or not stable coins is the general categorization. Those will be just straight up given to VE Lfinity holders. And then the stablecoin tokens, <laughs> often USDC, this will be used for buybacks. So that will be used to buy Lifinity. Um, so we do so we will have to do some trading, but um yeah, this will be in our own pool anyways, because we're gonna have the Lifinity USDC pool. So the trading fees accrue to us. So it's not a big deal. It's not even a deal, and <laughs> there's no problem. Um, so yeah, we avoid trading. We avoid creating sell pressure for bribing protocols. Um, and then basically everything goes to holders in one way or another, direct rewards or increase in the token price of Lifinity. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. 
Dog asks, please don't answer if this was already asked. How did Lefidini Pool do during the market period right before and after Russia invaded? Markets were pretty unstable. Um, this was not asked. Um, I mean, I, I don't even know if we did like a deep analysis, but we did good. <laughs> like I know the, uh, I just talked with Luffy today and he told me like, so right now the, the APRs shown on the website aren't like totally accurate because they're 30 day averages. So basically we're reaching back all the way before we integrated with Jupiter. So the averages, like it'll take a while until it's been 30 days since we integrated with Jupiter and then it'll start to be accurate. So like right now it probably says like 50% APR and then for trading fees and then 50%-ish APR for trading fees plus any pr profit and loss from market making. Um, And then, uh, but actually it's, it's something like 50% APR from trading fees and then 100% APR when you include market making. So pretty good. That's for Seoul USDC. And then MSOL USDC didn't do as well. Um, the reason being MSOL is not very common on, or not very liquid on centralized exchanges. So we're realizing that it's like, in a sense, we're just copying constant product pools because it almost like defaults to those as the price because there's like very little trading of MSOL on centralized exchanges. So yeah, not as beneficial for MSOL. Um, which was an interesting realization, but yeah, we did find during the, the volatility. I mean, like if you want to see volatility, look at our Seoul USDC pool test results article. Like that was much more volatile, right? Although over a longer period, like we dropped from 170 to 90 or something. And like, we still did great. <laughs> so Yeah we can definitely handle volatility. And if you look in the article, in fact, like we explain how in a sense we're long volatility, um, depends on like the price, the path that the price takes. But like, for example, if price starts at a hundred, goes to 200, then comes back to 100. If you're a constant product market maker, you're, your profit and loss from market making is zero because you just returned to where you started. But for us, it would be like strongly positive because we're buying low and selling high. Uh, anyhow, yeah. Yeah, we did fine. <laughs> All right. Cheeks asks, if I provide liquidity to the LPs, do I receive regular Lefinity tokens? If so, will there be a feature to automatically convert those tokens into VE Lefinity? So no, if I understand you correctly, it sounds like you're asking if we're gonna have liquidity mining and we will not. So the only way you can acquire Lefinity is, well, right now at least, you can either buy flares and wait for them to um, 
drop the Lifinity tokens that will be given to them. Or you can participate in our IDO. Um, or you can buy VE Lifinity um, through our, uh, not bonding mechanism, but the, the exchange where you give us LP tokens and we give you VE Lifinity. Um, and then wait for the VE Lifinity to unlock into Lifinity tokens, if you want Lifinity. Or if you just want VE Lifinity, then yeah, you're good to go from there. So yeah, those are the ways you can get it. But we're not going to give it for providing liquidity because we think, unlike um, constant product AMMs, the rewards that um, our platform gives for just being an LP from trading fees and from market making profit, that'll be sufficient incentive. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay. Binoaks asks, will the lockup periods be set on the Lifinity.io site? What kind of features will be included on your site? Are you a pyromaniac? <laughs> um, so lockup periods. Yeah, I mean, so it depends like when you buy, right? But yeah, basically it will be on our site. Like, yeah, everything should be on our site. <laughs> what kind of features will be included on our site? So um, you'll read this in part two, but VE Lifinity is not a standard token, just like other VE tokens. And the reason is, well, two. Um, so VE tokens decay. Their balance gradually decreases over time and they're not transferable. So they are not SPL tokens. So it's not gonna like show up in your phantom like other tokens. Um, so our website will have a feature where it'll show you your VE Lifinity balance, which will be um, inextricably tied to your wallet address. Um, let's see. But um, I guess, ah, never mind. Let's see, what other features? Um, I mean, we'll go into more details in part two, so yeah. And then am I a pyromaniac? Unfortunately, I am not a pyromaniac. While I have flares, I don't even have 10. Shame on me. <laughs> but honestly, like, I was, I've been like so busy um, designing the tokenomics and uh, like doing community stuff. I have not <laughs> done much investment activity in the past few months. I was definitely doing a lot more before I started working with Lifinity, but I love um, working with Lifinity. It's been great. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just, yeah. All right, Theoly asks, guessing you will cover this in part two as well, but as duration of the lockup reduces, does it impact our claim on revenue? Um, so kind of. So like your claim on revenue is totally dependent on your VE Lifinity balance. And so like I just mentioned, VE Lifinity decays with time. So like a simple example, say you lock VE, you lock four VE Lifinity for four years. 
then after one year, you'll have three years left until it's fully unlocked. Um, which means you only have three VE Lifinity left. And then after two years, you'll have two. And after three years, you'll have one. So it just like keeps decreasing linearly. Um, so yeah, the amount of revenue you get, it will decrease. However, uh, something I haven't mentioned yet is VE Lifinity um, at the beginning by default will not be unlocking. This is a new feature we're adding. Um, we're going to be building on Tribeca for those who are familiar. And for them, like their VE tokens just automatically decay. And so if you want to keep it at the max, you have to keep relocking, <laughs> which is pretty inconvenient. So for us, we're going to make it so that the default is that it doesn't unlock. It's just stable. The, the VE Lifinity value doesn't change. And then if you want to start unlocking because you want to start to get access to your Lifinity, then you can make a transaction to make that start. Um, yeah. Okay. Blob Hair asks, wow, I hadn't even thought about using the Lifinity LP tokens as collateral in a lending platform. That's awesome. However, what I meant to say was more along the lines of, have you spoken to any Solana protocols about the bribing mechanism Lifinity will be using? I'm finding that when I try to talk about Saber Wars and other protocol discords, that protocol admins and devs don't understand the concept of curve bribing or protocol-owned liquidity. It almost seems like they don't grasp the importance of having a permanent liquidity source for their tokens. Are you finding that the protocols you've spoken to are aware of the issues with liquidity mining and are excited to have an alternative? Do we need maybe an infographic that explains the issues with liquidity mining? Yeah, so I agree. There's definitely still many protocols who like are not paying attention to um, the issues that are plaguing many a protocol's tokenomics. Like liquidity mining is still rampant, right? And uh, I mean, it's almost funny because protocols like to tout their high APYs. It's like, like check out our 500% APY for providing liquidity. Like it's a awesome thing. <laughs> um, like all it does is show that one, there's actually not that much demand to provide liquidity for your token because people are worried about the price risk. <laughs> Otherwise it'd be lower. And two, like you're just heavily diluting your holders and this liquidity won't last. Um, so yeah, so I guess, yeah. And uh, like same with users too, like there's still plenty of users who don't understand like bribing, like the Saber Wars stuff or protocol and liquidity. So yeah, and like, again, this is like part of the effort to like spread these ideas and um, like show why they're important, why they're so useful and uh, can really lead to the success of a protocol. And uh, thankfully, we're not spearheading this in the Solana ecosystem. Saber is, is like doing that and with Sunny and some other protocols like VE is slowly but surely spreading. So I'm sure like more people are paying attention, which is great. 
And also like with liquidity mining, like you, you, you probably noticed like in part one, I link to an article written by Soshin. Um, well, actually, I guess that was a different article, but they have a different article <clears throat> explaining like why liquidity mining doesn't work. Like basically the same reasons we lay out. Um, so I think this awareness of the issues are gradually spreading. Can't tell like how slow or fast that will be, but it should gradually get better. And uh, yeah, as for bribing, there's still zero bribing on Solana. I'm pretty sure that infrastructure is being built as we speak for Sabre. Uh, it might be Tribeca building it. I'm not sure. But and yeah, I'm sure like we'll be um, building on that structure or just just using it if it's exactly what we want. But yeah, so like TLDR, I'm not worried. I think this is the direction that space is moving in as yeah, people just realize more and more like what the reason, like one of the major reasons why Solana tokens just haven't done well is these giant liquidity mining programs. Of course, it's not that simple. There's also poor market conditions and dumpers and whatever, but anyhow, okay. Moving on, let me take a sip. Okay, Blumber asks, I know you can't confirm anything, but would you prefer an IDO on Radium or the general no cap IDO? What if I told you neither? <laughs> I mean, so we hinted at this. We said part six, the title is VE IDO. So you can probably get an idea of what that will be like. I'll, I'll let you guys speculate. But, um, yeah, I guess I'll just say that for now. All right. Cheeks says, I think I finally see the light. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> but, sir, you are already purple. You already had a flare. Call Mimi says, I love these AMAs. Durden is so clear and patient in his explanations. I feel like a child consuming new knowledge every time. That's great. <laughs> Good to hear. Uh, Marco says, so that's interesting. Regular Lefinity tokens won't have revenue share, just the VE Lefinity tokens. Yes. The reason is, um, yeah, I guess we explained this in part two, but <clears throat> the whole reason behind doing this VE thing is so that we get people to lock their tokens. And so the amount of rewards you get is correlated to how long you lock your tokens. Otherwise, like people can just dump whenever they want. And uh, so it doesn't align incentives well. And like VE Lefinity solves this problem so effectively. Um, as Curve has proved out. So yeah, only VE Lefinity holders get revenue share. Like Lefinity in a sense is like a useless token. <laughs> it's like you have to lock it up if you want all the utility. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, APY means nothing when your numeraire isn't in some governance token. <clears throat> yeah. 
uh, blob hair Durden, thank you for answering mate it really does come down to educating users in the end and at the end of the day protocols devs are users too and they'll have to be educated too true true <laughs> yeah unfortunately devs are busy so <laughs> uh nice chiro got the solana ecosystem starter pack unfortunately we missed every single element of this starter pack. <laughs> oh, well. <clears throat> um, okay, so those are the end of the questions for now. Someone might type another one, but um, maybe I should open up questions to the Twitter if people are interested. Um, I think people can just raise their hand, right? Then it'll show me that you're raising your hand. So like if people have questions on Twitter that they'd like to ask, uh, please raise your hand. Um, yeah, okay. Yep, much more people on Discord today than Twitter. Last time it was the opposite. Interesting. What could this mean? Okay, Quacker asks, how did you guys come to start this project? So actually, I wasn't with this project from the very start. It was started by the other three members. As you can kind of tell from their, um, their avatars, only mine is like off theme. <laughs> But um, so if you look at the, uh, let's see, the team uh, channel in our Discord, um, it gives some information on our team members. So both Luffy and Zoro have worked as traders in crypto for three years before starting Lifinity. So that's kind of how they got into it. Um, and, uh, I guess, I mean, like, I haven't asked a whole ton about this to them, <laughs> but yeah, I assume like as they were trading, they came up with this idea where you could use an Oracle and adjust the price according to the Oracle and, uh, yeah, basic, basically be a market maker that way. And, uh. Yeah, at the same time, they realized, well, if they do that, they would need to, well, yeah, I guess that it also made sense to be an aggregator as well. So they started working on that too. Uh, they'd be able to give a better answer. Unfortunately, I'm the wrong person to answer this question, <laughs> but that is the extent of my knowledge. Feely says, where is the music? Yeah, so last time we had music, which I loved, but... Um, I think people's experience varied a lot. So the thing is like, I don't think you can create a uniform experience where the volume of my voice and the music is like the same for everyone. I think for whatever reason, like it varies a lot. And even like the recording was like very different than what it sounded like 
four people. Um, the recording, the music was really quiet. And it was louder. The pe people who were um, in the AMA said it was louder. So I decided not to do it this time. Just to avoid that variance. Uh, Chiro asks, how long have you been in crypto? So I got in uh, in the latter half of 2017, right, as that bull market was nearing its end. Um, I bought, I never sold. Um, <laughs> and then 2020, I started experimenting on Solana. Um, and before that I had done like a small amount of DeFi on Ethereum, but found the transaction fees unpalatable. So when I came to the salon, I was like, I felt so free. Like I could do anything and literally like not care about transaction fees. It was an incredible experience and still is. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love Solana. Um, I guess that's, that's the gist of it. <laughs> These AMAs are great, Durden. Lefinity is a very ambitious and exciting project with brilliant execution so far. By the way, I know of you from BM, uh, Basis Markets. They could learn a lot from this Discord about communications. <laughs> yeah, they they used to communicate more. I guess right, I'm assuming like right now, because I, I own, um, well, I guess you would know. But yeah, I have one of their NFTs too, and I assume they're just like building more right now um they've gotten into that phase for investors there's just really not much to say i guess because they're not going to be releasing anything they're just working on the main product where they can uh, create the arbitrage um, engine so when you say buy high sell low is it really that simple how do you predict it ah so yeah, it's important to clarify that we do not predict this. So, <laughs> yeah, we are not a, uh, what's the word? A discretionary trader. That's not what we are. We are not, we don't have like a, mar a, a machine learning algorithm that tells us, okay, the, the, oh yeah, yeah, buy low, sell high, not buy high, sell low. <laughs> Um, yeah, but so we don't use like we don't have a some proprietary algorithm that like predicts when price is going to go up or down and like uh, choose our price based on that. That's not what we do. Um, instead, we have an oracle, right? So why are we able to buy high and sell low? Um, we explain this best, I think, in one of our Twitter threads, which you can find in our resources channel. The title is um, Lefinity Dex Deep Dive Thread. Um, but the gist of it is we have the Oracle. And um, because the price of the Oracle moves faster than 
um, on constant product market makers. That's kind of what enables this. So like, um, <laughs> like to give a super simple example, say the price of Soul right now is $100. Um, and then the price moves to $90. Um, well, our, our pool is balanced 50-50 at 100, but then now at 90, the price of Soul is lower and relatively USDC is worth more. So that means we need more Soul to balance our pool. So at $90, we buy Soul. Um, and then say price goes back up again to $100. Well, now we have too much Soul, so we sell the Soul. Um, so the net effect is that we bought Soul at $90, and then we sold Soul at $100. I hope that makes sense. That's like the very simple explanation. But actually, it is the, like basically that simple. Um, so the difference with constant product market makers is that they are selling and buying all the way from $100 to $90. Um, whereas with us, like... I mean, th this is, again, an oversimplification. But because for us, price moves faster because we're using this Oracle, <clears throat> um, we don't sell along the way, basically. Yeah. And then once price settles, then we buy. This is a vast oversimplification. <laughs> but basically, that's it. Um, we're, we're not buying along the way. Because we know um, um, it's like the prices are wrong. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Um, feel free to ask any further questions on that. Uh, and yeah, check out the uh, the Twitter thread. Might might um, make more sense to you that way when it's all written out. Um, Chira asks, "Do you know what Super Team DAO is?" I do service DAO, they might be helpful to you for some content and dev services. Yeah, totally possible. I, uh, so like for me at least, like I don't know how to evaluate the skill of their dev, their devs. So like, yeah, I don't know. That seems like important. But yeah, I don't know how to evaluate that. So cheeks or never mind. Let's see. So basically, you added a brain by adding an oracle to a constant product AMM. Kind of, yeah. So like, I like to think of it as we're borrowing the intelligence of market makers on centralized exchanges, because they do use like machine learning algorithms and all that to adjust their price quotes. I think the gist of it is when they sense that there's more volatility, they will widen their spreads. Um, and then when there's not that much volatility, they can quote tight spreads. And, um, so we don't copy the spreads, but they, um, adjust their prices constantly. So basically like we're getting, and like, also there's more trading occurring on centralized exchanges. So the prices change there qu more quickly than on decentralized exchanges. 
so yeah in that sense like we're we get to be faster than constant product amms and we yeah we're, we're bar borrowing the intelligence of like a bunch of market makers and traders centralized exchanges what have you Uh, yeah, even I cannot concretely say about the dev services, but their content bounties do get some great submissions. Even layer three is great for that. I do not know what layer three is. Um, cool. Okay. If Promino asks, or... How you think? Yeah. Protocol-owned liquidity is, by nature, less inclusive to new users who want to be a part of the liquidity and its rewards. How can a new user be involved in the liquidity and rewards other than the NFT? Is VE Lefinity the only way? Um, yeah, so protocol-owned liquidity is less inclusive to new users i i wouldn't say that like the difference is either you can be a liquidity provider um, or you can own be lefinity uh, if you're a liquidity provider you still own the liquidity you're just renting it to us to earn the trading fees but you can always withdraw it on the other hand if you own be lefinity then you don't own the protocol on liquidity, the protocol does, but you get access to all of its rewards. Um, so yeah, you can, you can choose whichever one you want and I don't see why it's less inclusive. Um, and as for how can new users be involved, um, so the NFTs, yeah, is another way, I guess. The NFT is like a pseudo LP position, how some people have described it. Um, yeah, and like the the value of the NFTs goes up over time on average due to the buybacks um, from the royalties and trading fees. And then there's VE Lefinity for the protocol and liquidity, and then you can be an LP. So there's three ways you can uh, get involved. And uh, continuing with your question, if the only value proposition for Lefinity is constant liquidity, no, concentrated <laughs> liquidity market making, wouldn't another concentrated liquidity market maker that's more open to outside liquidity be more appealing to new users? Uh, maybe. I, I mean, it really depends. So for me, I think it really comes down to how profitable the LPs are. Like, it, that's what it's all about, I think. Like, most people are just, like, semi-degens. Like, they just choose the highest APY. People don't think super carefully about the risks, right? <laughs> and I think this is unfortunate. Because that's why liquidity mining is is such a such a thing, right? Because you can create these large APYs and capture people's attention. Um, but anyway, so I think one thing you might be referring to here 
or like a nuance that's not being captured is our only value proposition actually isn't just the fact that we concentrate liquidity. It's also that we're a proactive market maker that uses an Oracle. And the major consequence of that is that we avoid impermanent loss. Um, it's not guaranteed, but on average, like all our tests have shown and like real world results have shown that in fact, we make a profit from market making. So this is a new source of revenue that for other um, AMMs can only be negative or zero. It can never be positive. This is true of both constant, pro constant product market makers and also uh, Uniswap V3 style concentrated liquidity market makers. They can only have impermanent loss. They cannot make a profit from market making. And I think that is our huge value proposition, or at least the other one, in addition to the concentration, the efficiency that we get from that. Um, but yeah, you're right. You say constant liquidity market making and POL, or a protocol owned liquidity, are two independent concepts. Yeah, they are. How will combining them be better? Um, I mean, so I would more say that, like, the fact that we're combining them or using both of them is just happenstance. It's not like, boom, we're combining these and that's what we're going to do. It's like, th these are two great ideas and we're going to use them both type of thing. Um, so like the concentrated liquidity part and the proactive market making part, this is just becoming an efficient DEX. Like, that's what that's all about, right? Like we want to be an efficient, profitable DEX. And that's what we've become. Um, like so far, at least, like we've been very successful. Um, capturing huge amounts of volume with little amounts of liquidity. And also like being very profitable with it without any liquidity mining. It's like what I like to call organic yield because it's not reliant on inflationary token rewards. And then the protocol owned liquidity is like a separate issue. This is about, um, the question is like, who should get the, who should get priority access to our um, protocol's rewards? And I should say the reason this question even exists is because um, in a sense, like our protocol is too efficient. <laughs> it's too efficient for everyone to be able to use it. The reason is it ultimately comes down to the fact that there's a limited amount of trading volume. And of course, we want to capture as much of that as possible. But if everyone's liquidity is on our exchange, then while we'll capture like the vast majority of trading volume, it means the LPs would get diluted. So like this is something we've talked about in the previous AMA. And uh, this will be explained in more depth in part four, how we're addressing this. But basically, <clears throat> there's a point beyond which adding more liquidity means the um, trading fee per unit of liquidity starts decreasing. So the efficiency of our our LPs 
starts going down. And that's the area we want to avoid. So in other words, we can't have too much liquidity. Um, and so th that's what, so yeah, back to where I was at. That's what gives rise to the question, who should be able to have priority access to providing liquidity on our platform? And um, I think that's where the concept of this protocol-owned liquidity um, makes sense. So like, we have like two major entities. One is the liquidity providers, the external liquidity providers, and then the protocol-owned liquidity, or in other words, our token holders. And um, naturally, I think, we want to prioritize our token holders. We want our token holders to be the people who get priority access to the revenue that our DEX is able to generate. And protocol-owned liquidity is a way to do that, where we own the liquidity and then um, the rewards that that liquidity generates goes to the token holders. Um, I hope that made sense. I was kind of going <laughs> a lot of places in explaining that, but um, but yeah. And then like protocol-owned liquidity has other benefits that I think I explained in part one, the uh, article. Um, basically, you become self-sufficient as an exchange. You're no longer dependent on the LPs. So you can have stable liquidity. And also you don't need to, um, like if you have LPs, you need to reward them with the trading fees for renting their liquidity. But once you own the liquidity, you don't have to pay these rental fees anymore. You can keep all the trading fees and give them to your token holders. So as a protocol, you become much more profitable. And um, yeah. Like all around, I, I feel like all these things come together to make um, like utilizing protocol own liquidity, which is very good for the protocol and for the token holders. I uh, hope that makes sense. Kind of long rant. <laughs> uh, Chiro, thanks for the layer three link. I will check it out later, I guess. Uh, Chiro says liquidity mining is like creating a way for your token to get big dumps at some point of time people try to delay them in some way or the other dgens love it though because it pays <laughs> kind of like if you know when to exit at least yeah the thing is like staking is like this too staking is <laughs> staking doesn't accomplish anything um like it's it's not productive so like what it does is it creates two classes of people those who stake and those who don't if you do stake then you don't get diluted if you or did i say that right if you do stake you don't get diluted if you don't stake you get diluted but actually it's not it's not doing anything it's not making the protocol more profitable or valuable it's not providing a service. It's not attracting new users. Yeah, not really doing anything. And then also like the APR of staking is kind of deceptive because it's its source is not like, it's not like the protocol is earning revenue and then distributing that. 
it's just distributing more of its treasury. So the token holders have get a greater ownership over the protocol. But in fact, yeah, it's not like the protocol has earned that value or anything. And I think that's what's so amazing about Lefinity is that all the rewards we're giving out, it's not Lefinity tokens. It's actual like money that people are paying us for using our service. Like we're actually profitable. And that's a huge differentiator. And that's what enables us to do like this model that we're using. Like if we were not very profitable, I think this model would be difficult because the the prospect of holding VE Lefinity wouldn't be too attractive because like, like if you're only, <laughs> like if you're only making like say 5% APY with your POL, that's pretty tiny. So do people really want to hold your token for 5% APY? Probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, we expect it to be much higher. Um, yeah, so. Boom. Epramono, thank you, Durden, for the explanation. When and where can we read more about the LP renting mechanism? Uh, do you mean just like standard liquidity providers? Um, cause that's the renting is like, what I mean is like, so on like radium or Orca or whatever, you can provide liquidity and then the protocol is renting the liquidity from you, but you can always take it back. Um, so we will be the same in that sense. You can also do that. Um, it's just that that won't be our end game. Like that is the end game for, I think like every DEX is you will always be relying on your LPs to provide that liquidity. Whereas we want to own it, uh, not have to rent it. Um, yeah, I hope that answers that question. Then you also say, it's also interesting to know that there's a max cap for the liquidity size such that you can maximize the yield. But will this make LP renting be unnecessary? Yeah, I guess I'm not sure what you mean by LP renting, so might want to clarify that. Um, and cool. I guess they say they got it. Um, but yeah, just to clarify on the max cap for the liquidity size, I think the current plan is, um, so we're going to have, this will be explained in part four, but we're going to have these things called target liquidities. And that's like the optimal level of liquidity that we're going to aim for. But it'll still be possible to deposit, but your LP fees will be much lower. And they can even become zero beyond uh, the, the target liquidity. So, yeah, it's like when we have no protocol own liquidity, um, LPs will be much more incentivized to deposit. But as we grow our liquidity, then we want, as the token holders, we want all the, the protocol rewards. So 
um, like we kind of want to kick out the LPs, but gradually as we grow our protocol own liquidity. So we welcome LPs while we don't have liquidity and we're re reliant on them. But as we become independent, then we gradually reduce their rewards until we're fully self-sufficient. And uh, interestingly, even if LPs have zero trading fees, they can still profit from our platform just from market making profit, or in other words, from buying low and selling high. So people still might want to deposit, um, which for us is totally fine because we're like beyond the target liquidity, we're capturing all the trading fees. So it won't hurt token holders. Um, there'll just be like more robust liquidity because we have more than the target liquidity. Um, yeah, so that's also a novel mechanism. Uh, normally, DEXs just have a fixed uh, trading fee. I mean, uh, the share of trading fees that LPs get is fixed. Um, but yeah, we're making that dynamic, so. Man, all these questions, like, <laughs> half of them are, like, not even about part one. But I guess I can't blame you guys. Everything's like intertwined, so it's really hard to just like talk about um, just a part without referring to everything else. Um, yeah. Kai asks, what's your ballpark timeline to deliver the five part of tokenomics? Yeah, actually six. So, or you mean the remaining five? Yeah, so... Um... Actually, I guess I'll just mention this here. We're going to make an announcement soon. We think there's a decent chance that we might not make it by, or we won't be able to do our IDO by the end of March. Um, part of the reason for that is like, we're just actually doing so many new things <laughs> and have to build a lot of custom stuff, including uh, our IDO. So yeah, it might it might go into April. So yeah, I mean, we've always said we're aiming for Q1 and we still are, but yeah, there's no guarantee that we will be able to do that. Yeah, so for the to tokenomics series, I guess I'm thinking maybe a couple days after this AMA, we can release the next part, um, something like that. So that would give it like, that would be like on average, like four days per article. So that would be like a total of 24 days, I guess. Um, so 20 more days till it's all released. That's like, rough approximation i guess uh triple zero x is this being recorded it is always we got you on video we got you on podcast that's right everyone we have a podcast even though it's not like a proper podcast but if you um if you like just listening to audio and if you like listening to it on your phone while you're on the go and stuff then we ha just have like the audio file and you can 
find us on your favorite podcasting app. I think I've uh, I've uploaded or like signed up for our podcast to be distributed to all the major distributors. So if you search for Lipinity, you should be able to find us. And if not, you can just copy paste our feed and then it should be able to find you. Durden just going to hit us with a four day cycle of Lifinity Alpha. I'm gonna be here waiting like a crackhead for this fix. <laughs> nice, nice. I will, I will feed you crack. Spoon feed you some crack. Kai, I got the overdose already with five in one shot. Still not sleeping since four days. Goddamn, son. Um, let's see. Twitter is quieting down. I don't think anyone ever raised their hand. It is still yet to happen. Never has a hand been raised <laughs> on Twitter. Um, which is totally fine. I guess it's like, I don't know. People just not do that that often. I don't know. Wag asks, I always love asking this to founders. Why does your project need to have an NFT? What made you choose to make the flares other than an initial fundraise? FYI, no wrong answers, just always curious. Yeah, interestingly, I think someone just asked this yesterday. Or day before yesterday. Um, so basically, yeah, it's possible that we we could have just avoided the NFT. So I guess the scenario, if we had avoided the NFT, would be like, hey, would you like to um, provide liquidity in our pools? Um, but uh, let's see, how would you do this? <laughs> Like, so it would have to be different than just opening up your pools, right? Where everyone can like choose how much they want to LP. Like it would have to be discrete amounts. Like, I don't know if you're going to make it the same. So like, yeah, we could have just opened up pools, right? That's totally possible. Um, I think the difficulty with that was like, basically we really wanted to test our protocol at size, not like like 50k, you know, we need like the 1 million or more than that than we ha that we have right now to actually do like proper testing. And so NFTs was one way to do this where like we can raise um, more than a million like all at once. And so that's one reason. Another reason is by having these NFTs, you are able to build a community around it, which definitely has worked for us um and yeah that's been great to see um and the fact that like there's art and our art is actually pretty fucking dope <laughs> like there's there's no nfts that are like ours that are animated and are this like flare thing like it's totally unique and it's dope so that definitely adds to the community or like yeah the amount of like interaction that goes on here um and uh i forgot if i gave another reason i feel like there was another reason but yeah 
Thanks, Dirt End. Community is always my number one answer, too. Yeah. It's uh, definitely a thing. Like, <laughs> I think people get more personally involved when there's, like, a visual element rather than just, like, a number in your wallet. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, Kai asks, if you were asked to put an accomplished percent of the project so far, what would it be? 20% done? 50% done? I mean, like, uh, what is the end state that we're defining? Like, uh, we got plans, you know? Um, and, like, not... Everything is in the tokenomics. Just, you can't fit in everything. So, yeah. Like, I don't know if the percent would really be meaningful. I really wouldn't know how to give a number anyways. <laughs> uh, WAG says, in my opinion, it makes your platform stickier than any other pool without NFTs. Nice work cheering you on thanks man yeah i mean in the sense that like the liquidity of the nfts always stays on our platform in that sense it's definitely sticky <laughs> jay sweats that floor price going up non-stop during this ama <laughs> come on guys you gotta listen to me talk stop stop buying Pay attention to me. <laughs> Blobbing a 3% loading. Yeah, we'll just call it 3%. We're 3% done. <laughs> uh, call Mimi says, just a query on the general feature. Don't mind if I don't make sense. Do you think using NFTs to raise funds, which I believe is comparatively easier than VC funding since it avoids all of the restrictive clauses and exit clauses will be the go-to for projects in the future. Okay, so, uh, I mean, just to be clear, in case there's any confusion, we didn't raise any funds from the NFTs in the sense that the team didn't get any of this money. It's uh, all going to liquidity provision. So yeah, there's that. Uh, but yeah, is it comparatively easier than VC funding? Because it avoids all the restrictions and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, also, like, you know, NFTs are, like, kind of the thing right now. So it's just, like, easier to, like, uh, get people to buy in, I think. Although, like, I guess it gets harder and harder because it's just, like, so many projects... And only so much soul. Um, yeah. I mean, so like... <laughs> raising via NFTs versus venture capital is... I mean, you gave like one reason, but I don't think it's that simple. Like, it depends on like what your goals are. Like, for example, if you want to be listed on a centralized exchange, then like you're going to need some connections. And, like, that's one thing that VCs can offer. Um, 
And then like, uh, if you need like some advisory stuff, like regulatory advice or like tokenomics advice, like some VCs help with those kinds of things. Um, and then like, uh, if you have VCs investing in you, then like they're, they're like staking their reputation on you kind of. So like it gives you some credibility, right? It's like people are more likely to believe that you're not going to rug. So like there's those kinds of benefits, but of course there's also the, uh, the downsides, which like, uh, VCs get in at cheaper prices. So your community will be more worried about like dumpage. I mean, and in fact, there will be dumpage in the future at some point at least. And uh, well, I guess that's the main one. Yeah, that's the main one. Yeah. Um, but uh, in case in case you haven't heard, we will not be doing any VC funding. No VCs. Do you like that? But on the other hand, that means we will be reliant on our community to fund us, our poor team. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, second part of your question. Do you think that there would, should be more protection for NFT holders providing funds for such projects in the future? Um, Protection. I'm assuming you mean like protection or like like some kind of guarantee that those raising the funds are going to execute on what they say they will. There definitely could be. Like, for example, one way to be to do it would be like all the funds raised go into some like stream. So like the soul in that stream is gradually sent to the uh, the NFT creators, and if at some point like the users are unsatisfied with like what they're doing, they're not like executing, then they can do some sort of rage quit and like pull out the remaining funds. So I mean that's just like a random idea, but you could do stuff like that. Um, I think people will get smarter and smarter as time passes. So there will be fewer rugs. Um, yeah, so one way or another, I think, bottom line, there will be fewer rugs. And I guess that probably does mean more protection, but also just like smarter investors. <laughs> so yeah, combination, I guess. SKSK asks, how difficult would it be for others to copy or improve Lefinity's service? Um, so right now our code is not open source, so they would have to write it from scratch. They'd also have to figure out an algorithm because we also haven't like um, published our white paper, which is coming, by the way. It will be out before the IDO where we publish all our juicy secrets. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'll be easier once we publish a white paper because then they don't have to do that part. They'll still have to code it. They'll still have to do a ton of testing. Um, and then to improve it, they'd have to come up with a new mechanism that's better than ours. It's impossible for me to comment on how easy or difficult that is. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, not sure. I think the, the thing is like, say they do come up with a better mechanism. What we can do is, oh, we own all the liquidity, right? Because we have this protocol on liquidity thing. So in fact, what we can do is just change our algorithm to theirs, if it's in fact better. And then problem solved. Um, and for them, they still have the problem of how do they get the liquidity? Because it's not easy to amass millions in liquidity. So yeah, it's kind of how I think about it, I guess. Coco Bello says, protections, this is the wild west. Who needs a safety net? Grab your bags and hide behind a barrel. Shoot your revolver once or twice. Very Western-themed comment. Nice. <laughs> Wag says, can you say you're a rug real quick so we can all get a cheaper entry point? <laughs> Please and thank you. Yeah, we've discussed various ways that we can manufacture FUD so we can get our sweeper, our flare sweeper to do the buybacks at cheaper prices. This might be it. Maybe I'll say that we're a rug and then you can just clip that part of the audio, release it somewhere. That's like the thing nowadays, right? People take people out of context <laughs> on like podcasts and shit. Yeah, there you go. It's our plan for the FUD. Triple zero X, we are the VCs. Exactly. You got it, sir. Pancake Face says, I just joined this project, joined in a bit late. Just two simple questions. How long has a team been working on the protocol? Um, yeah, so I joined later, so I'm not like privy to the exact details. I believe the uh, the DEX was out by like September or something, maybe earlier. And how long were they working on it before that? I couldn't tell you an answer. Um, if you want, you can ask Luffy, and I think he'll be able to give you an answer. And then, who do you consider to be your main competitors? Yeah, so I think we have a few classes of competitors. One is constant product market makers. So we have like Radium, um, Orca, Aldrin. So I think these, like, so they are, I guess they have the most liquidity right now. Or maybe Serum does. I'm not sure. In, in aggregate, I'm not sure. But yeah, so like for them, I think our our mechanism just like blows them out of the water. So it should be easy um, to capture much more volume than they do and with less liquidity. Um, and then the another one is um, yeah. So Serum Serum is an interesting case because it is not an AMM. It requires market makers. But um, that also means like you have like well-established market makers like Alameda and Wintermute and whatever. Like, I don't even know <laughs> to be honest, but like these types of firms are probably market making on Serum and um, they use, you know, machine learning and like sophisticated algorithms that they've developed and refined over time. And like, so in a sense, their algorithms, like surely they're better than ours <laughs> because like ours are quite simple. They're smart contracts. They're not meant to be like, yeah, you just can't, you can't beat machine learning in that sense. But the on the other hand, like I kind of mentioned earlier, 
what we do is like borrow that intelligence from market makers on centralized exchanges and stuff. So like basically we're not far behind them. It's almost like we're copy trading. Actually, that's totally inaccurate. I take that back. <laughs> it's like we're we're copying their market making, more accurate to say, um, in a sense. Um, so I think that's that can be quite competitive, the market makers on Serum, because they can employ strategies that are very very similar to what they do on centralized exchanges. Um, and it's it's quite efficient, right? Like that's why centralized exchanges have always had the most liquidity because it's a very efficient way to provide liquidity if you have the intelligence of like these market making firms and stuff. But um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm repeating myself, but because we copy that intelligence, like we're not far behind. Um, and also, Like, uh, I guess we we probably, we might scale better. I'm not sure. Because like, in a sense, we're very simple, right? It's like you just deposit a bunch of liquidity and then it just does all the price adjustment automatically for you. Um, yeah. So then, okay, yeah. And I should mention the last one is the concentrated liquidity market makers, or in other words, the Uniswap V3 style market makers. Um, I think we do much better than them as well, because although they concentrate liquidity, they are still, uh, they still have the impermanent loss problem. And in fact, it's magnified compared to constant product market makers because of the concentration. Um, I think the one place where those can be especially competitive is uh stable coins or stable pairs because in that case it's almost like they have an oracle because they can just say or like people people who provide liquidity there they'll just aggregate around that price right it's like one usdc equals one usdt that is the assumption and people just aggregate and concentrate very heavily around that price because there's no impermanent loss to be had, except in like some catastrophic event where one of the tokens goes off peg. Um, so yeah, but in like volatile pairs like Sol USDC, like I don't think they can compete really. Um, you can check out our thread comparing us to Uniswap V3. Talk a little bit. Talk about this a little bit more. But like uh, on Ethereum, at least m the vast majority of um, LPs are not profitable. Um, even when they're using these services that like automatically adjust your liquidity um, when prices change, like they're still not profitable in general. So like it's just hard to make money with that model, I think, unless you have like machine learning that's adjusting liquidity for you and stuff. Yeah, so basically we're, we're the AMM for retail. It's like you don't have to think about where to provide liquidity. You just deposit liquidity and we figure out the rest. And the APR is great. <laughs> okay, uh, let me take a sip.
Oh, our uh, Twitter audience doubled. Well, I wasn't looking. So much variance in our Twitter audience. <laughs> Thanks for joining, guys. All right, next question. Call Mimi says, not technical, but on the line of smart contracts. Binding of NFT holder wallets directly to the project wallet with AI slash algo directly transferring returns as and when due. Wow, what? That was confusing. <laughs> was that a statement? It wasn't a question, was it? <laughs> okay, Blob Hair says, white paper coming soon. Holy. Durden going to make us all so smart. Let's hope so. Chiro, I got to run. Great AMA. Good to see there's no time constraints to the AMA. Durden will keep going forever. Damn, it's already been two hours. I didn't even notice. God damn. Uh, no one's going to watch this shit if it's two hours. <laughs> okay, call me me. This was in continuation to the second part of my earlier query. Let's find that one. On the general future. Oh, raising, using NFTs to raise funds versus VCs. And protection for NFT holders. Providing funds. Um... The binding NFT holder wallets directly to the project wallet. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think you need AI or algo. Just like a constant stream. Like say like they raise 10k soul and then that's going to be transferred to them over the course of two years. Um, and then at any point they can rage quit and withdraw everything. Like, I think it can just be simple like that. Yeah. Um, anybody on Twitter got questions? You can raise your hand, I guess. Looks like the floor is at 8.9 soul. I think that's a record. Um, I guess we're out of questions. We did it. Two hours. Busted through all your questions. <laughs> um, oh, we have a request. Let's see. What's up, Alexander? You're muted. Hey, Durden. Thanks for pulling me up. Yeah, dude. Um, you, said, you said you're doing an IDO. Can anyone participate in the IDO? And when is the IDO? Yeah, so our plan is anyone will be able to participate. Um, when will it be? So we've been aiming for Q1, but I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier in this uh, AMA that that might not be feasible. Um, we've said aiming for Q1 since like December last year, <laughs> but a lot has transpired since then, in particular like our tokenomics, which is pretty ambitious and has a lot of new things that um, haven't been developed before, so we're going to have to make it from scratch. And also the form of our IDO will be unique, 
So we will have to build the infrastructure for that. Anyways, like a lot of stuff has come up. So Q1 may be difficult. We're still aiming for it, but no guarantees. So it could be in April. But yeah, that's the plan. Okay, that's all I had. Thanks. Cool, man. Thanks for the question. Let's see. Anybody else? I see SK, SK is typing. Durden, you are doing an outstanding job from the beginning. No hype, just knowledge transfer. Thank you. Thanks, man. That is how I like to do it. Like, uh, like I kind of just do the, try to, the, what's the, the golden rule thing? Do unto others as you would have them do to you type of thing, where, like, I don't enjoy the, the hype type of thing. <laughs> it's like empty content, no substance. So yeah, I just try to do the same thing and hope people enjoy it. Although, you know, like I explained earlier in the AMA, like the downside of this approach is like, it just gets fewer eyeballs. Um, it's great that it's organic and the quality of our community members that increases because of that, but also results in a relatively smaller community, I guess. But it also means we'll have more longevity, longevity, I think. So So in the long term, I think it will work out. <laughs> All right, cool. I guess I'm going to say, say uh, this is the end of EMA. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. I enjoy these. Hope you do, too. Um, article number two this week. Yes, that's the plan. So you can look forward to that. Um, find out all about VE Lifinity, how it works. Um, yeah. So until next time. Cheers. <laughs>